0: Hosanna in the highest. Well, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within your gates, O Jerusalem. It is good to be here gathered with God's people, proclaiming the praises to our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, let me be one of the first to uh, publicly uh, say an early Merry Christmas to you. Uh, it is good to to be here uh, to talk about the birth of our lord and our savior jesus christ and i'm certainly in the christmas spirit if i wasn't in the christmas spirit friday definitely got me in the christmas spirit Uh, we really did have a good time and i know multiple people have said it but the energy in the room was crazy i mean it really was lit i I was looking at the punch to make sure somebody didn't spike it i mean i saw miss carol up on the table and mama d was swinging christmas lights crazy, I'm telling you. No, seriously. I mean, anytime you get to see Yolanda rapping Joy to the World in a Jamaican accent, I'm just saying, we had Biggie Christmas sweaters on. It just was a, we had a really, really good uh, good time. It was not your typical Christmas party, but it was one that we got to celebrate and enjoy. Uh, really get to see a different side of, of everybody because, you know, in here, y'all are quiet. Even in worship, I'm like, man, where was... You know, what, what were y'all doing in here on Friday? It was like, you know, and to, to, to see a different side of people. Like, seriously, I, I joke around, but Rodney and Yolanda, you don't see that. You only see that during karaoke. And so uh, uh, I, I'm excited, man, to be able to, to worship with you guys and to celebrate the birth of our king with you guys. Listen, I'm, I'm also excited to preach, so grab your Bibles. Mine is upside down. All right, right, not you grab your Bibles and meet me in the New Testament. We'll be in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2. As you turn there, man, I have some information I want to lay before you. Every year, the first full week of the year, not the first day of the year, the first full week of the year, we do something corporately called solemn assembly. It's based out of Joel chapter 1 verse 14, where the prophet Joel says, call together the assembly, the congregants of Israel, and let's proclaim a fast, a solemn assembly. And so every week, the first full uh, the first full week of the year, we do a solemn assembly fast, not just fast prayer and fast. It's coupled together. Whenever you see fasting in scripture, it's typically coupled with prayer. If not, it's just a diet. Uh, But we want to we want to commit the first full week of the year to the Lord like we do every year. And we've done it since the inception of our church. And this year it is no different. If you could mark your calendars, I actually have. Some information. It was my fault. We were prepared to pass these out today. Gabe ran around, got it printed out, and uh, had it all ready for you guys. And I made a mistake on one of the days, and so we couldn't pass it out. But it'll be available next week. It'll also be available on the app this week. Uh, But the dates are Monday, January 7th through January 11th. Every day that week, we will commit uh, to fasting. And let me kind of explain it how it's going to go. Every day that week, we'll begin at 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. So 12 hours, we'll, we'll fast. Now, if you are a new believer or uh, maybe medical reasons you can't fast that long, we're asking you just to skip one meal. So breakfast, lunch, or dinner, just skip that meal. Uh, but if you can't do the full tw- uh, 12 hours, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., we ask that you would do that with us. Uh, primarily, we are fasting from food and so we are turning our plates down. You, you, I mean, you, you really get to see like, how hungry your flesh is for the things of this world when you fast, and so we'll, we'll turn our plates down, but we're also asking you guys to turn off social media, to turn off TV, uh, non-work-related, uh, not, not social media, but uh, internet browsing, uh, anything that you typically chomp away a big piece of your day. Get that out of your life so that we can Dedicate that time to prayer and to devotion and to fasting, and so I'm excited about it. Fasting is hard, so we try to do it as a community instead of doing it isolated individually. Uh, somewhere around Tuesday, Wednesday, if you're doing it by yourself, uh, you know them chicken wings start to smell real good, and you just dip in. But if you if you have people around you that are are encouraging you that we can do it, it's only five days. We can do it. Let's do it together. Uh, it's easier. So here's the schedule. Uh, we'll start Monday at 6 a.m. Again, January 7th. We'll start at 6 a.m., but we'll do that together. And here, 6 a.m., we'll have prayer. We've done it before. Uh, if you have to work, we ask that you would come here. Uh, get on your knees with us. Let's pray. Let's seek the Lord. Uh, and then we'll, we'll only do that for an hour, from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. And then if you've got to go to work or whatever, we're asking you to sacrifice some time. So uh, we'll be here on Monday at 6 a.m. Tuesday will be a conference call Uh, beginning at 7 p.m. So we'll get that information out to you. It'll be on the app. It'll be on the website. It'll also be on these cards that we'll give you guys. Uh, It'll be a number and a code to dial in at 7 p.m. sharp. We will be uh, praying together on the phone. And then Wednesday is our small group, so you can meet and break bread in our small groups. If you need information on where they are, we have some information out there for our small groups. Um, Any small group leaders in here? Any leaders? We got one, two. Okay. you can also ask around and the the folks that raised their hand, uh, Timmy's one as well. You can ask around about small groups. If you don't attend one, you can find out where they are. Uh, And then Thursday, we want you to meet with your DNA partners. We realize that everybody doesn't have a DNA partner. In fact, if you're going, what is DNA? You probably don't have a DNA partner. Uh, And we realize that that's something that we need to beef back up. And so we'll, we'll be putting some focus on that in the new year. Uh, so if you don't have a DNA partner or you really don't, you know, you don't know people you're new at the church, uh, we also have an alternative place that you can meet. There's two coffee shops that we're meeting in. We'll have designated people there. One is Sumner Cafe, which is right here uh, up the street. And then the other one is uh, downtown. It's Green Grape Annex. Uh, it's on Fulton Street down uh, downtown. So we want you guys to meet there. And that will be, again, at 7 p.m. sharp on Thursday. And then Friday, we'll meet back here for 6 p.m. Uh, 6 p.m., we'll have food, so you can, you don't have to, you can come hungry. Uh, hopefully, you didn't eat all day, so you come here, and we'll have food for you. Uh, but then we'll have good old prayer and testimony service. I don't know if y'all like testimony service. When I grew up, man, you remember that back in the day? Somebody would jump up and be like, first, give an honor to God, and who's the head of somebody church in here? So we got to have a good old testimony service. Y'all don't have to do that, but we'll, we'll have some time for you to talk about uh, the grace and the mercy of God throughout the year and what your hopes are for uh, for the new year. And so hope you guys are excited. We're asking for full participation. Uh, it really this thing works better if we do it together. Amen. All right. Let's get into the word of God. Luke chapter two an Advent sermon talking about the birth of Jesus Christ. It is not a typical place you usually find um, an Advent sermon, so I'm excited to preach it. Look at verse 25 with me. It says, There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and blessed him. And he said, please underline this, uh, this verse twenty nine. The Lord, uh, Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. I love this for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for the revelations to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. I want to preach today or this morning from the topic entitled Christmas through Simeon's eyes. Christmas through Simeon's eyes. Let us bow our heads and look to the Lord. Father, we are grateful for this time that we get together around your word. Grateful for a good time on Friday and even worshiping this morning. Uh, but this is the moment that we gather for to get around your word and to hear from you. And so, Father, would you speak to us today right out of what you've already spoken in your word? Uh, lo- Lord, I know it's a cliche, but you really are the reason for the season. And let us not forget that, Lord, as we probably run out of here today and do last minute Christmas shopping. And tomorrow we run around and, and, and uh, try to prepare for Tuesday. Lord, I-, I pray that we would be reminded that you are the reason, like you are central not just to this season, but to all things in life. So, Father, would you remind us of that this morning through your word. In Christ's name, we do give glory. Let everybody say amen. amen. Christmas through Simeon's eyes. Uh, in World War II, there, there was a, a ship that was docked out in the North Atlantic, and it was six aviator pilots that were uh, taking off of that ship to go scout out some enemy territory. And when they went and took off in and roamed around, and finally they were headed back to do their descent back onto the ship. Uh, they did not know that the captain of the ship had to call a blackout alert. Now, I don't know if you know what a blackout alert is, but that, that's when the ship has to go dark. It has to go silent uh, because uh, of invading enemies, and, and they want to protect the ship, so they, they, uh, they just float out. They turn the engine off. They turn the lights off. There's no radio contact. There's, it's silent, And as these six pilots were coming back in, this is a true story. As these six pilots were coming back in, they could not find the ship because there was no lights on the ship. And they radioed to the ship and they said, we're ready to come back in. Please turn the lights on for a few seconds so we can drop back on to the ship. But no response due to the blackout. They dialed again and they said, we need to come back. You need to turn the lights on. Do it for a few seconds. We'll drop in. And well, you could turn it back off, but no response. And then finally, the third time, they were a little bit more panicked. And this is the, the reason they were more panicked is because they were running out of fuel. And as they were running out of fuel, they were trying to get the lights onto the ship so that they could land back on the ship. And because there was no lights on that ship, six aviator pilots went down in the icy North Atlantic and died that day. Now, the reason they died was because They did not have lights to illuminate where they should be going. And in this Christmas time, you know, that cute baby that's in the manger surrounded. You've seen the nativity scenes with Mary and Joseph and the wise men and and the animals and then baby Jesus there. That cute little baby is the light of the world. That, That baby is the one that brings us hope. As the text says, he is salvation. He's wrapped up in this manger. And that is what I want to talk about today. But I don't want to do it in our typical sense of talking about the manger. I don't want to do it in our typical sense talking about Mary and Joseph. I want to look at a different character in our time this morning. And that character is a guy by the name of Simeon. Uh, Simeon is not a typical Christmas character. No, nobody lined up on Friday to do a song about Simeon. It just didn't like I wish I could have preached about the wise men or talked to you about uh, Mary and Joseph. But I think there's a lot that we could learn if we look at Simeon. Simeon is introduced to us this morning and he's doing something that most of us in this room. hate. he's waiting. Like that's what he's doing. He's exemplifying patience. And I want to I mean, the Lord kept pressing on me this morning when I got up at six o'clock. All right, I hit the snooze button a couple times. So about 6:20, when I got up to to pray and, and really uh, seek the Lord for our time this morning, the Lord kept pushing on my heart: patience, waiting, patience, waiting. Because I realize we're anxious people. We live in a culture that doesn't that doesn't tell you to slow down. You live in a culture that promotes this idea of pushing. But we like we like the idea of waiting. We even like cliches about waiting. Some. Good things come to those who wait. We like that cliche, but in reality, we don't like to wait. We, we like the cliche, some things, uh, 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 some things are worth waiting for, but the reality is we don't like waiting. Is there anything that you would be waiting your entire life for? Like, like what if I said to you, I'll give you $10 million. I don't have it. What if I said, I'll give you $10 million if... If you waited your entire life, you couldn't pass it down, you couldn't give it to anybody else, you had to spend it on you, but you get it the last minute of your life. Like, is that worth waiting for? Like, what good is $10 million if you get it the last minute of your life? But, but what I love about the story that's before us is Simeon found something that was way worth waiting his entire life that he said is greater than $10 million. I'll wait the last minute of my life to see a glimpse of my salvation. Can you imagine this? And that is what I want to focus our time in on today. I want to talk about an unpopular character in the Christmas story by a guy named Simeon. We we, we don't know a lot about him. Well, actually, we do know a lot about him, but outside of this passage, you don't hear anything about Simeon. In fact, I'll say it this way. There are 1189 verses in the Bible. We only get 10 verses on Simeon. It's all you get. But I, I would argue that those 10 verses that we get tell us a lot about him. In fact, verse 25 gives, gives us five characteristics. If you're writing notes, please write these five down. Look at verse 25. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. I don't know if you have picked up the five characteristics, Two of them are physical characteristics, and three of them are spiritual characteristics. Well, what is the first one that we get? The first characteristic that we get is where he lives. The Bible says that he lives in Jerusalem. Why is this important? Because Jerusalem was the epicenter of that time. That, that is where all of the action took place, the political epicenter, the, the, the religious, everything took place in Jerusalem. He doesn't live in some remote village. Simeon lives in Jerusalem. You, you know what else we get? We get his name. The Bible says there was a man living in Jerusalem, and then it says whose name was Simeon. Simeon literally means God has heard. And we're going to see later on in the text that God does hear Simeon's prayer. Simeon de- decided that he wanted to get a glimpse of Jesus, and God gives him the greatest answer of all. He actually answers Simeon's prayer. And so Simeon literally means God has heard. Here's the two physical characteristics. We know where he lives. He lives in Jerusalem. We know his name. His name is Simeon. But more intriguing than his physical characteristics is his spiritual ones. If you look at the first spiritual characteristic, the Bible says that he's righteous and he's devout. In other words, Simeon is a godly man. Simeon exemplifies godliness. He is a man of obedience. He's a man of integrity. The Bible says that God spoke to him and gave him a word. Listen, and he was obedient to the word. He was a man that showed great faith by waiting. This guy, Simeon. See, this is why I love Simeon. When I was in school, actually a couple of semesters ago, they, they taught us about how to do character analysis. You look at a man or a woman in the Bible, and you do a character analysis on them, and you classify them in three different areas. Uh, Listen, I'm paying a lot for this degree, so y'all let me floss it a little bit. They they tell you to do this character analysis so you can kind of find out which, uh, which type of character this is. And so the first one that they would call is a round character. This is a major character that you know a lot of information about. And then the second one is a functional character. You don't really need them in the story, but they're put in the story just as a drop. You you don't really know much about them. You only hear a little snippet about them, and then the story moves on. And and then the third one is a minor character, what they call a flat character, where you need them in the story, but there's not much information on them. When, When I did a character analysis on Simeon, even though there's only 10 verses, he's a major character because we know a lot about him. We know where he lives. We know his name. We know he's a godly man. The Bible says that he is righteous and he is devout. He is he is exemplifying godliness. You know what else we know about him? The Bible goes on to say that he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's a fancy way of saying he's waiting for the Messiah. He's waiting to see Jesus. And, and, and I love this because he actually gets this answered. He's eagerly anticipating Jesus. And all of Israel would have done this. All of Israel was waiting and anticipating to see who this Messiah was. In fact, the moment we fell, stay with me, the moment we fell in Genesis, Genesis chapter three, we fall, God promises the remedy to our problem. He says in, in, in verse number 15 that he's going to bruise your heel, but you'll crush his head. That's the first promise of a Messiah. Like, the, like can you imagine that the moment Adam and Eve fell, God said, oh, I, got, I know how to fix this. Jesus is how I'm going to fix this. And all of Israel would have been waiting and waiting and waiting to see this Messiah. And then finally, a man eating bugs and wearing camel skin sits on the bank of the Jordan rivers and says, There's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, the one that they were waiting for shows up in the temple with Simeon there. So the Bible says that he is waiting. He's. I got stuck here this morning on this idea of waiting. Why? Because we're impulsive. We're hasty. We make quick decisions. And somebody like somebody here today. You're on the verge of making a decision and you haven't considered all the options or maybe you have and you think it's your time to make that decision. And I prompt, slow down. Slow down this morning. Don't be impulsive. Don't make decisions on that relationship yet. Don't make career decisions yet. What you need to do is slow down and wait. Why? Because we get a good example of what it looks like to slow down and wait. Every morning, uh, every morning during uh, during the week, Monday through Friday, my family gets together for a morning devotion. It's really quick. And for the last seven days, we've been doing a morning devotion on the Advent because it's Christmas time. We want to get into the Christmas spirit. So we said, let's do um, a morning devotion every morning, seven o'clock. Let's huddle around the word, spend some time talking, pray and the boys go out to school. And, And, you know, as we were doing this morning devotion, one of them a day was devoted on a morning devotion about patience. And I realized when I walked away from that devotion, I realized how impatient I really am. I go through life, but you know why I'm impatient? Because waiting feels unproductive. Waiting feels like you forgot about me. Waiting feels like, Lord, I know you called me to do some things, but waiting feels like nothing's happening. But we're going to see in the passage that as he is waiting, God is working. As he is waiting, I love this, he's worshiping. So waiting is so, so important. And some of you need to, that device in your hand doesn't help you to slow down. That's why in the first full week of the year, I'm asking you to turn that device off. Turn it over. Like, move it out the way. It's a distraction. It's causing you to be impulsive. Like, do you do realize that I preach 35 to 40 minutes on a Sunday, in the middle of this sermon, it's 20 minutes left. You know what you could do? You could, you could buy some movie tickets on your phone. You could book a flight to Uganda. You could, you, could, <laughs> you, you could download Meek Mill's new album. Like You could do all of this stuff. I see you, Josh. You so not spiritual. I knew you was going to wave, bro. There there are so many things, like you could look up a recipe. In fact, you could order food, have it delivered to your house by the time you get there. All of that because of your, we don't like waiting. We like stuff quick. But When I look in this passage, I'm so encouraged to slow down. I'm so, I'm so encouraged to, to get before the Lord and, and just be patient. Some of us, that's what we need to be. We're Burger King. We want it our way right away. You want it quick. You want it fast and you want it in a hurry, but. Lord says this morning that we need to slow down. Here's what you know. You know he lives in Jerusalem. You know his name is Simeon. You know he's godly because the Bible says that he's righteous and he's devout. We know he's a man of patience. Why? Because he's waiting on the consulate. He's waiting to see the Messiah. But there is one more very important detail that we get about him. Look back at verse 25. It says, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Again, showing us The favor that God has on him and showing us how godly he is, that God decided to put the Holy Spirit on him. Now, let me tell you, I know you're like, well, that's, you know, every believer has the Holy Spirit. Yes. Now, every believer, if you've trusted in Jesus, the moment, not a day later, not two days later, the moment you trust in Jesus, Ephesians chapter one, verse 13 says you are empowered with the Holy Spirit. You got God living on the inside of you. But that was not always the case. Can, can we do some Bible study? We ain't got Bible study this month because of the holidays, so let's do some right now. Y'all don't come to Bible study anyway, so I'm bringing Bible study to you on a Sunday morning. Okay, that was shade. That was shade. That was shade. But it's true. You know it's true. But, but so we got to do work here. Why? Because we could read this and say, okay, the Holy Spirit was upon them. That's not a big deal. The Holy Spirit was not upon everybody at this time. In Acts chapter 2, when they're in the upper room and the Holy Spirit falls, now everybody that is trusted in Jesus is empowered with the Holy Spirit. But before Acts 2, it only came on certain individuals. Okay, let me put a little bit of Bible here because y'all are not believing me. Joseph had the Holy Spirit. This is what it says, Genesis chapter 41, verse 38. Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Joshua had the spirit. Numbers chapter 27. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, son of none, a man in whom the Holy Spirit rests upon. Daniel had the Holy Spirit. Daniel chapter four, verse number eight. At last, Daniel came before me in whom is the spirit of the holy God. One more. David had the spirit. Psalm 51, verse 11. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit. There are some men and women in the Bible up until Acts 2 that the Holy Spirit rested on, but he did not rest on everybody. Here's how dope Simeon is. This is why I said he is a big character, because God favored him to allow the Holy Spirit to rest on him. So the Holy Spirit's on him. So look, look at what we know about him so far. You know where he lives. You know his name. You know he's, he's a godly man. You know he's a man of patience. And you know that the Holy Spirit rests on him. He's known for godliness. He, we do not know his degree. You do not know where he works. You don't know any of his personal accomplishments. You don't know any of his gifts and his talents. Why? Because he's not marked by the things that he does. He's marked by godliness. Are there any simians in here that you are marked by being a man or a woman of godliness? Or are you known by killing it at work? Are you known by your degree? Are you known by your finances or your zip code? Or are you known when people say, I know that person, do they say they love Jesus? Do they, do they look at you and see godliness? Young men, do, do they, Like, are you a Simeon in this text? Do they see godliness in you? Or do they see perversion on you? Do they see a dude that can't stop sleeping around? Or do they see somebody that they can say, that's a godly example. Young ladies, are you known for prayer? Are you you known for getting before the Lord? Are you known for being a good example for young ladies that are coming up? Are we Simeons is the question I have for you this morning. Because Simeon is known for godliness. Let's keep moving here. Verse 26 It says it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, which is dope, that this that that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon was told by God, like literally told by God that he would see Jesus before he died. And here's what's crazy. Simeon believed it. He believed it. You know how I know he believed it, because every day he went down to the temple and he would worship and he would wait. And he would worship and he would wait. Notice something here in the Christmas story. Every other Christmas character hears about the birth of Jesus by an angel. Every one of them. I mean, the mother of Jesus hears about her immaculate conception through Gabriel, an angel. Joseph, the angel had to go talk some sense into him. The wise men hear about Jesus through an angel. But Simeon doesn't hear by an angel. Simeon hears about the birth of Jesus Christ by God himself, by the Holy Spirit. We treat the Holy Spirit like he's the stepchild of the Trinity. We we treat the Holy Spirit like he's not that big of a deal. Like you do understand that the Holy Ghost is fully God. You do understand that. And and so and so what we do is because we're a Christocentric church that always focuses on Jesus, we think that the Holy Spirit is. No, he's not the stepchild. He is God. And Simeon hears about the birth of Jesus by God himself. God comes and he says, listen, you're going to you're going to see Jesus. And he believes it. And his belief. The reason he's willing to wait is because he had faith. The reason he's willing to wait is because he actually believed And waiting is an expression of your faith in God. Impatience says you don't trust God. But when you are patient and when you believe the word, and that's the other thing. The reason he's able to believe it is because he actually he heard a word. And the reason we see your proximity to the word of God is what you need to build more faith. The reason you don't have faith is because we're not getting into this word. Note something else here about him. Note something else here about him. Not only does he believe in the, the, the Holy Spirit, but he's he's guided and walks with the Holy Spirit. Like, the Bible goes on to say that the Holy Spirit led him into the temple. Like, he actually, like, we, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the places you take the Holy Spirit? Can you imagine the places you've been, you've been walking in and allow the Holy Spirit to come in? Can you imagine the stuff that you allow the Holy Spirit to sit and watch? Can you imagine the conversations and the jokes that you laugh at and, and the things that you think is funny? And the Holy Spirit is like, you think that's funny? But he's being led by the Holy Spirit. If you want to know how to build more faith, we need to get, this is what you get. You want to know, because I know you're like, Pastor, I'll believe and I'll hold on as long as I get a direct word from the Lord. If the Lord speaks to me, then I, like, just like he spoke to Simeon, but he speaks to you through this. You got 66 books. This is 2 Timothy three sixteen. All scripture is breathed out by God. Pastor, you tell him you believe every part of the Bible 100%. I believe every dot, every period, every comma, every question mark, every quotation mark, every word, every sentence, every paragraph. I believe the word of God. And apparently Simeon does, too. You know why? Because he's willing to wait. Why? Because he gets a direct word from the Lord. Verse 27. Y'all all all right this morning? And he came in the spirit into the temple so he's being led. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and he blessed God. Finally, what he has been waiting for finally appears into the temple. I, like if I knew Simeon, if I was around that time and I knew Simeon and Simeon told me like, yo, God talked to me. And he said, I'm going to see the Messiah before I die. I'm going to see him. I would have never left Simeon's hip. I'd have been with Simeon everywhere he goes. He Simeon went to the temple. I would have went to the temple. Simeon went to the market because I, I never know where he's going to run to Jesus. And finally, when, when baby Jesus is brought in, I would have been laid out. <laughs> Simeon waits and he worships and he finally gets what he's been waiting for. He gets to see the Messiah. He gets to see Jesus. And again, he's, he's expressing here obedience. He's expressing godliness and he's expressing patience. And I love that about him. I'm enamored with it about him. I'm stuck when I read this. I'm I'm stuck. And I know you're like, get over it. It's not that big of a deal. It is that big of a deal. Why? Because he really honestly believed in the word. Now, while he's the two things are happening here, I want to know what God is doing while he's waiting. And I want to know what Simeon is doing while he's waiting. That's my questions. When I read this, God is actually like when when I say waiting is not unproductive. God is not in heaven twiddling his thumbs. While he is waiting, God was maneuvering and working. He had to get Mary pregnant. He had to get Elizabeth pregnant. And then they had to get them to meet so that the babies could leave. He, he, had, he had to fulfill prophecy. The baby got to be born in Bethlehem. And they live in Nazareth. And so what does he do? He says, y'all need to leave here, go to Bethlehem. But before you get there, I got to cause everybody to go there so that there's no room in the inn because he got to be born in a manger. And and then, and then I got to create a mosaic law. And this law will make you go to Jerusalem. And when you get to Jerusalem, you have to go into the temple to dedicate the baby. All of that took place to make this moment. So while he's waiting, God is strategically working. And that's a good word for you because you're impatient, but God is working right now. God is moving right now. So he's He's, he's waiting on God, and God is working, and God is working. And even Jesus coming. the Bible says in Galatians, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. God waited for a specific moment. If he sends him too early, roads aren't built in Rome. And if roads aren't built in Rome, the gospel can't flourish. If he sends him too early, they're not unified under the Greek language, so the gospel can't flourish. God is always on time. Yeah. So when I read this, I, 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 it gives me patience because I know God is in heaven moving stuff and strategically working stuff. Serve a God that's working. But then my other question is, well, while God is working, what is Simeon doing besides waiting? This is a good word for you. Look at verse 27. Verse 27 says, and he came in the spirit into the temple. While, see, this is not a coincidence that he's meeting them in the temple. He's meeting them in the temple because he goes to the temple every day to worship. So so what he's doing while he's waiting, he's worshiping the Lord. See, what we do is while we're waiting and it feels unproductive, we want to stay home. We want to watch T.D. Jakes on on the podcast. You want to do everything else. you, You know, you bedside Baptist with overseer sheets. We do it. But when I read this text, he doesn't wait in the bed. He gets up. And he goes to the temple and he worships every single day. And so God is working. He's in heaven making things happen. And Simeon's like, I'm not going to sit on my butt. I believe the promise, but I'm going to go to the temple because I got to worship. And then finally, Jesus comes in. They bring in baby Jesus. He sees him. He's so excited. Don't do this to a mother. He runs up and grabs the baby. He grabs the baby and he begins to bless the baby. And can you imagine Mary? Can you imagine uh, 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 Joseph sitting back and pondering the things that are happening? Because you just brought in my king. You just brought in my savior, not just the one that brings salvation. Let's keep reading here because Jesus, Jesus doesn't only bring salvation. Look, Look at the text with me. It says, verse 28, he took him in his arms and he blessed God. And he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation. Notice this. He doesn't say my eyes have seen the one that brings salvation. He doesn't say my eyes have seen the one that holds salvation. He looks at Jesus and says, that is salvation. See, that's what I love. This is why I worship Jesus, because Jesus don't only bring the redemption that I need. He is the redemption. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And so the one that we are worshiping is the king. You see, If you're in here and you don't know Jesus, we are grateful that you were here. I actually got up this morning to make sure I prayed for you. If you don't know Jesus, I'm glad that you were here. But I do not want you to make the mistake of dying without seeing Jesus. Simeon waited his old life and said, I will not depart from this earth until my eyes have seen salvation. And if you don't know Jesus, I do not want you to depart this earth without seeing salvation. How do you see salvation? By believing in the work that Jesus Christ has done. I want you to believe in what Jesus accomplished on the cross on your behalf, taking your punishment, taking your sin, taking the wrath of God and absorbing it. That baby in a manger will go to a cross and die for you. That baby in the manger doesn't stay a baby. He increases and grows in favor with God and with man. And finally, when it's all said and done, 33 years later, he gets on a cross and he absorbs our wrath. He absorbs all of the punishment for your sin. Yes, you. Your sin, he absorbs it. And so this is why we worship the birth of our savior because it is the it is Jesus is the meeting place between heaven and earth. Like Jesus is the is the bridge that connects holiness which is God and sinfulness which is man. Jesus stretches on the cross and he's the one that connects us. Outside of him we're still beefing. Outside of him you and God ain't cool. And this is, I love this because he says, you can, I can depart in peace. If you don't know Jesus, you can't depart in peace. What you need is Christ. Every head bowed and every eye closed. As you go and celebrate this Christmas season, you get ready to crack the eggnog and Christmas cookies and the, and the, 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 the presents under the tree. I want you to stop this week for a moment and consider, just consider the work that Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Consider with me that the baby in the manger is not a king. He's a king of kings. The baby in the manger is not a lord. He's a lord of lords. That is who we worship today. That is who we come to celebrate. And if you don't know Jesus, I I really want to give you that opportunity best faith in him today. What better, what better Sunday to do it?